Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. Well, good morning. It is good to see you guys. You're having a great weekend. Uh, As you can tell, we are in a relationship series, and we are continuing our series called Relation Slips, and uh, this is our third week, and a couple things I want to mention to you just real quick. I personally want to thank you for your giving. Um, I was walking through our kids' um, service just a few moments ago, and um, seeing our kids having such an amazing time, seeing the new game room that they have back there, um, just the ministry of our kids' ministries, I I am blown away every time I walk by there. That could not happen without your giving. And I want to thank you for investing in the next generation and uh, believing in the mission that God has called us as a church. And God has called us to reach people for Christ. And how many of you know this next generation needs Jesus Christ? So thank you for your giving. Your generosity is making a difference. Um, I also want to mention that next, as, as you've heard, next weekend is Mother's Day. All the mamas are excited. It is your special day. We are going to go big next weekend here at Creekwood. You do not want to miss this. You guys need to be here. It's going to be amazing. Well, I want to get into our teaching today, and if you've got your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 5. I'm going to get there in just a few moments, and um, but I'm excited today. We're going to be talking about sex, and uh, all the men said... All the ladies said, what? No, it's like, um, sexual intimacy is, is so important. And um, God created it. And I believe that the world has tried to control the narrative for something that God created. I believe that sexual intimacy has probably never been more under attack than it is right now. Our culture, our world, and if you haven't realized it, there is a real devil. And Satan wants to destroy what sexual intimacy brings to the relationship between a man and a woman. And I believe the enemy starts very young, and and if you're here and you're in high school and you're like, oh my word, I'm sitting next to my parents, I'm embarrassed, I don't want to be here, you need to be here. You need to hear this because there are a lot of people here today that, man, they wish somebody would have talked about it when they were younger. Most people here, you probably grew up in a church where the, the pastor never talked about it. And if they did, they... they um, they, again, they never brought it up. They were like, you know, it's gross, it's nasty, it's awful, save it for your husband. <laughs> and your, your perception of it is, is, is so distorted. And, but if you're a, a high school student here, I, I want you to listen to me. Satan's trying to already destroy that in your life. And one of the the greatest ways that he does that is through pornography. And pornography is probably one of the biggest problems in our culture right now that 
If you think about it, our, our kids with just in one instant can view pictures and view things that are so destructive. And it creates this, this addiction. It creates this expectation that's unrealistic and experiencing that true intimacy. I think we also live in a culture right now that, that living together, it's like, man, it's no big deal. And like move in or like, you know, if you want to get married, you know, it's like buying a car, you need to test drive it. See if you like it, you know, it might, you might want a Ford or a Chevy. And I'm just going to say this to you. If, if, you're, if you're living together, having sex, that the studies show that this, this is like crazy when you think about this is that, that if you're living together and maybe you're thinking one day you're going to get married, but if you're living together, you know that you are three times more higher to experience depression if you're having sex before marriage. Also that there is a 151%, it is 151% higher increase in divorce among those who cohabitate. So if you're living together, having sex out of marriage, stop it. Aren't you glad you came to Creekwood today? <laughs> You're like, whoa, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Uh, it it's, it's, it's destructive. And, and I, I'm, I'm telling you that because sex is beautiful. Three people said amen. <laughs> the men better wake up in here. Sex is beautiful when it's inside of marriage between a man and a woman. It, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It is it is something that God created. And I, I want to look at some scripture today. And we're going to start in Proverbs 5.18. And the Bible says a lot about marriage relationship. And um, again, Proverbs 5.18, verse 9.19. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. I bet you didn't think that was in the Bible. Some of you are, where is that in the Bible? I didn't, I, I've been reading in the wrong books. It's like, 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 that's in the Bible. In the Bible, awesome. Come on, y'all, quit being nervous. Let's relax. The words that I want to show you that really stand out to me, it says, rejoice, satisfy, be intoxicated. This is God's plan for marriage relationship, that we should rejoice, be satisfied, be intoxicated. If you've ever been in love, you know that feeling. When you first fell in love, I remember when I first saw my wife, I instantly fell in love. This is a picture of her when she got there. I, I, big hair back in the 80s, 90s, like, um, I was blown away in how beautiful she was. And I, I was like, I want to I wanna go out with her. I want to kiss her. Like, I was like, man, like, I want to marry that girl. She's a girl of my dreams. And, uh, you know, when I was in college, a lot of y'all know I worked at Walmart. I was like the, the captain of the shopping cart people. My wife was a cheerleader. Uh, every guy in the school wanted to go out with her. 
They were asking her to go out on dates. She had a brand new car. She wore different outfits. I've said this before. She had a different, I never saw her wear the same outfit. I had like one pair of blue jeans. I did not have game. But I, I fell in love with her. I couldn't hardly talk when I would get around her. I mean, I, I was intoxicated by her beauty. I wanted to, to be around her like, like, I just, her long hair, I mean, it was just like heavenly. And finally, I convinced her to go on this date with me and um, I was excited because I was like, oh, she's kind of dating me and my roommate's like, well, she goes out with like lots of other people too. She'd been in lots of, my wife was not ready to get serious. I was like, girl, you're my wife. <laughs> and the first date we went out, like I had this 1976 Buick Skyhawk, playa, no air conditioning. It's like hats back in the back. And like, I was so nervous. I took her to Spaghetti Warehouse down. Y'all remember Spaghetti Warehouse downtown Dallas? It was a big deal. I, I'm like, I'm driving her down there and we're going. I'm like, babe, you know, I didn't say babe, but I was like, sorry, my air conditioning doesn't work. And we're like going out, she's sweating. And uh, I was so nervous when we left the restaurant. We, we were going to college in Southwestern uh, in Waxahachie and we had a curfew to be back. And I was so nervous. I got on I-30 instead of 35. And my wife, my wife said, I didn't know Six Flags was on the way to Waxahachie. I'm like, it's not. And we turned around, went back, and long story short, I was determined she was gonna be my girlfriend. We were gonna date, and finally, we started dating, and after a long time, like, trying to kiss her, like, I mean, she did not really wanna kiss me. I don't know why, but anyways. Even we started holding hands and I thought, oh man, that's going to be awesome. One time we're sitting in the car and, and we were holding hands and my wife grabbed my finger and like, I thought she's going to kiss my finger. Oh my word. Woo. I was excited. She stuck her feet, my finger in her nose and started laughing. We finally like we kissed and it was like, Amazing! All I wanted to do was kiss her. I wanted to kiss her and kiss her and kiss her. And when I would like leave her dorm to drop her off, I would like I was like ET floating back to my dorm. It was amazing. And and I'm just gonna tell you th those years of dating, being engaged, it was so much fun. There's nothing like the first time, that first kiss, the first time you go out, the first time she falls asleep on, on your shoulder, and, and it's just, it's beautiful. But I, I want you to hear me when I say this, and we are gonna be celebrating 30 years of marriage this year, and I, again, have said this, I'm not an expert. Um, but I thought about this topic today, and I, and I want you to understand that in marriage, in your, your relationship is going to change. It's going to change from all that you want to do is kiss to actually building a life with her. That you're actually going to build a life together that, that, that you know, it, it moves from this wild passion and this, to this deep friendship and compassion and companionship. 
There's still passion, but, but it changes. And you have to understand this, that even the fun that you think about that you, like it was amazing when you were dating and, and, and the passion, that first kiss, all those things that were the first things were, were amazing, but it changes. And if you don't realize that it's going to change and that you're going to focus on building a life together, you're going to make an awful mistake and think that you're, you need to find a new marriage. Because you thought you weren't having enough fun. And listen, Phyllis and I still have fun, but it's, it's, it's momentary. Fun is a great golf shot. Fun is bungee jump, but it doesn't last. There, there has to be a moment that you kind of realize that there's this progression that your relationship changes, but it takes you to this deeper intimacy I'll take us over fun any day. But it takes us to this, this deeper intimacy. Listen to what the Song of Solomon, the wife, his wife says, gives us great, a great definition of a relationship. She says in verse five or six, chapter five or 16, he's my lover and my friend. Isn't that a great picture, a beautiful picture of marriage? Don't raise your hand, but... How many of you would say that your spouse is your best friend? Don't raise your hand. Everybody's already. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just. Um, I just want to be blunt with you because a lot of times what happens is we our friendships and our relationships starts to kind of drift and it's not fun and you think that you need to go find somebody else and you look outside of the marriage and listen it's going to be fun for about six months till the ex shows up. And you need to understand that, that uh, behind the makeup uh, and, and the skinny jeans, the same blemishes are, are there as, as anybody else. The same morning breath, the same annoying habits are there. Uh, we're all human beings. And what can, what can happen is we can start to kind of, instead of uh, progressing and growing in our relationship and understanding that this intimacy, this deeper level of intimacy is designed by God, we get to a place that we start to just kind of tolerate each other. We, we, we just kind of are getting by. We are, we're living with somebody. We're married to them, but they become a roommate. And statistics tell us that 60% of the people that are in this room are frustrated and are failing in when, it, when it comes to being the lover part of our lives. And again, um, marriages are going to struggle, but I also believe that there are people here today that your marriage is on the verge of collapsing. And I, I wonder if maybe you're here today and these are the words that you are thinking. I'm trying to understand what happened to my marriage. What I thought was a sure thing has fallen apart. Being married isn't at all what I thought it would be. I know that a lot of people have problems, but I was sure things would be different for us. Before we got married, it seemed like we had so much in common, but now it doesn't seem like we agree on anything. I feel ripped off. He feels the same way. Last night he told me that he feels like he is the victim of a bait and switch scam. We're both bitter and angry. Do you think maybe the person God wanted me to marry is still out there somewhere? I'm constantly comparing him to others. All I know is that I'm deeply disappointed. I don't know what to do. 
but I know I can't live like this. And I think that's where, where a lot of us are. And um, we haven't allowed our, our, our relationships to continue to grow. We stopped at a certain level and we keep looking for the fun, the entertainment, and, and it's like, you know, our, our friendship and life happens. You have kids, all the things that happen in life, problems, work, schedules, all that stuff. And after a while, you just kind of go, you know what, man, there's no sexual intimacy. We're having sex, but it's, it's like a duty. It's, it's like, it's not really that beautiful sexual intimacy that God, I, I know that God wants me to have, but it's just like somewhere along the line, we just kind of have drifted. And, and it, again, it just, it's, it's crazy how it happens. And I think, again, there, there are a, a lot of us that we've looked everywhere else but the Bible. And I want to show you this couple that they show us how a couple can restore the passion in their marriage. And this couple, again, they're they're struggling and and it it gives us great insight on how. And Song of Solomon chapter 7 verse 1, it says, how beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Solomon says, how beautiful are your sandaled feet? What's he doing? He's saying, he's noticing her. One of the men, listen to me, one of the most romantic things that you can do is to notice your wife. It means to pay attention to her. To notice her. To pay attention to Details. I learned this really quickly in our marriage when my wife um, would get her hair done. Uh, a lot of times, like, and I, one time I said, well, she walked in and she was expecting me to go, you look amazing. And, she, and I'm like, did you cut your hair? And we got in this like fight and like, like blah, 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 blah. it was stupid. But I know that I learned something real quick is that, that um, my words and, and the compliments that I was giving my wife, it was, it was important. And so I, I learned real quick that every time she gets her hair done, I'm like, babe, it looks amazing. <laughs> I, I could, I, even without seeing her, she calls me on the phone. She's leaving from getting her hair done. Babe, your hair looks amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. What a lot of guys think instead of going, girl, come here, you look amazing in those jeans. What are you thinking? I wonder how much that outfit cost. <laughs> like, oh my word, girl, that outfit is you. Men, listen to me. Are you noticing your wife? Are you paying attention to her? It's important. Listen, he says in verse one, again, verse one, your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hand. 
What's he doing here? He's helping her see that she's beautiful because most women don't think they're beautiful. Most women are very insecure. Pete Wilson, this author, says this. He says, on an average, on average, women have 13 negative thoughts about their body every day. Why is this important? If a woman thinks she's not beautiful, it's almost impossible for her to generate feelings of intimacy towards her husband. So Solomon is helping his wife see how beautiful she is. When she got up that morning and she looked in the mirror, she was not looking and saying, my legs are like fine jewels. She was thinking about the 13 things that are wrong with her body. And Solomon reminds her how beautiful she is. This is incredibly romantic. She's floating that day because he loves her legs. Men are, I'm just asking you today, are you paying attention? I know that you got three kids or five kids or you got a job and she's busy, you're busy, and, but are you really paying attention to her? And I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's much bigger than just going, like most wives when their husbands are paying attention, they're suspicious. They don't trust us and they're like, well, you know, I, I know there's an agenda here. And it's really more out of a selfishness instead of going, you know what, I, I wanna help my wife I want her to know how beautiful she is to me. I want my wife to know that I am crazy about her. Men, listen to me. If you're not going out of your way to help your wife feel gorgeous and feel beautiful, you need to check your heart. Because a lot of times what happens is our pride and our selfishness gets in the way and we're only thinking about ourselves and we're kind of like, we got our own agenda instead of thinking, you know what, this is my soulmate, this is the person God has given me. I want to have this, this intimacy, I want to be close to her and listen to me, you're you noticing and giving compliments Listen, men, I don't know how any way to tell you this, but a single compliment can lead to good things. Good things. <laughs> Verse two, your navel is a round goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat. <laughs> now, guys, let me give you a hint here. If you're trying to affirm your wife, never use the word belly. It should not come out of your mouth. Belly should not come out of your mouth if you're trying to affirm her. And if you say belly by accident, don't use the word heap in association with belly. What's he doing? He just like men, we're, we're kind of stupid. We try really hard and we like, he gets overconfident and he's like going at it like, I'm like gonna give her all these compliments and then after a while we step in it. And we, we can do some dumb things. Watch this video real quick. Listen to this video really attentive. Watch this.
Man, ladies, I want to say this to you. Um, I know we do a lot of say and do a lot of things that are wrong, but appreciate the effort. (laughs) We're trying new habits, trying to to be better, but I know it. Again, um, these are awkward moments when you're trying to like, man, I, I really want to start noticing and appreciating how beautiful my wife is. And again, uh, appreciate that. And, and uh, uh, verse three, it says, you're, you're oh man, we're going to read this in church. Woo. <laughs> Your breasts are like two fond twins of a gazelle. <laughs> I can't believe I used the B word twice in church, <laughs> but it's biblical. Verse four, your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon. Again, men. (laughs) Do not use the word nose in comparison to a tower when you're giving her compliments. Just compliment her, like, but don't use that. Your, Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like the royal tapestry. This is beautiful. It's, it's like a romantic. I know some people like have this distorted view about sex and, and they even teach about this is that like, you know, sex is really just for procreation and when, it, when, it, when it's in, in the marriage uh, between a husband and a wife, it's for procreation that God gave us that, that to procreate, to, to, to fill the earth. And I disagree. It is a part of it. But verse 7 says, You are tall and slender like a palm tree, and your breasts are full. I will climb that tree. (laughs) I just want to thank the Lord my parents aren't here today. (laughs) And cling to its branches. I will discover that your breasts are clusters of grapes and that your breath is the aroma of apple. That's not procreation. That's just fun. That's just fun. I want to show you in verse 11 the response of how she responds because she's, she's like melting. And listen to what she says in verse 11. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. She responds with a plan. In other words, she is saying, we're going to go out of town. I got a babysitter. I I made a reservation at La Quinta. (laughs) And I'm about to rock your world. (laughs) Men, are you going on that trip? You are going on that trip. She's, she's making this plan and, and what she communicating, what is she communicating to her husband that he's wanted? Ladies, sex is a big deal to, to your husband. Studies show that the number one thing that they enjoy in the marriage is sex. 
Do you know where sex rated, (laughs) sex in the survey was for women? What they enjoyed the most of marriage was number 14. You know what number 13 is? Gardening. Ladies, listen to me. You, you need some of y'all. You need to pursue your husband sexually. All the men. Hey, you know I was struggling about this church, but I really love it now. We're going. We're going to growth track. We are going. We are baby. We are serving at this church. You need to, ladies, listen to me. When you pursue your husband sexually, it makes him know that he is wanted. It's it's important. It's a big deal. Ladies, if you call your husband at work tomorrow and you said, hey, baby, what are you doing? And and your husband said, I'm I'm, I'm at work. I'm working. And and he said, well, what are you doing, baby? And and, and you said, I'm just sitting sitting here in our living room. In, in, in this chair with nothing on and I'm thinking about you? <laughs> Are you running home or what? <laughs> Ladies, if your husband calls you tomorrow <laughs> and you're at work and he's at home <laughs> and he says, baby, what are you doing? And you said, I'm working. What do you think I'm doing? And, you sa- and she said, what are you doing? And you said, well, babe, I'm sitting in here in the chair with nothing on thinking about you. And you're not going home. (laughs) You're like, that's gross. Did the neighbor see you? What chair are you sitting in? (laughs) Is that that my favorite chair? Get get your butt out of that chair. We're different, but listen to me, ladies. Sex is important. It's a big deal. Oh my word, I can't breathe up here. You need to communicate that, that, that he's wanted. Verse 12, let's spend the night and see whether the vines have budded, whether the blossoms have opened, whether the pomegranates are in, in fly, flower. She's expressing her full sensuality here. Verse 13, finally she says, and there I will give you my love. At your door is every delicacy. The new has as as well as the old, for I've stored up for you, my lover. And I love the phrase, the new as well as the old. It means that they've been married for a long time, but they're going to discover new ways to love and satisfy each other. Do you know that you can rediscover the romance in your marriage? But it's going to take work. It's going to take you noticing things. It's going to take you saying things. It's going to take you complimenting your spouse instead of nagging them. I'm just asking you, don't settle. Don't give up. Don't settle for just being roommates. The sexual intimacy that God wants for your marriage is something beautiful. It it ought to be something that you protect. Let me give you just two 
Two more ways to increase intimacy. Um, and these are just really fundamental. Number one, sexual intimacy is a direct result of relational intimacy. Sexual intimacy is a direct result of relational in- intimacy. How, how are you doing when it comes to your relating skills? Rel- relating skills, because it, it, if your relating skills, your relational intimacy, that closeness is not there, listen, the sexual intimacy is not going to be there. This happens to my wife and I a lot of times. We'll get in an argument, and most of the time it's my fault. I get, I'm, I'm like all about we got to make good time. We got like, to beat the crowd. How many of y'all like it's, it's Doesn't it feel good when you beat the crowd? Amen. At the restaurant, you're walking out. It, you don't care if it's 1 o'clock, like 2 o'clock. We're supposed to go out to dinner that night, but it's 2 o'clock. We beat the crowd. We're at Costco, and, and, and when you're 54, Costco can kind of count as a date. <laughs> but I get impatient a lot of times. My wife is like, my wife does not like me rushing her, and I tend to rush. Like, I, I'm like, we got to go. And um, I got real agitated, and like, she, I lost her. She didn't turn her phone on. Like, I'm calling her and like, like I can't get a hold of her and then finally find her. And I'm like, I said some things I shouldn't say, just being agitated. We checked out, got in the car and it was quiet. And, and you know, I realized, I recognized real quick that I needed to apologize. And what happens a lot of times is we refuse to do that. We just kind of want to dig in and we're like, I'm going to dig in when it comes to I'm right and you're wrong and, and um, you're always late and like, you know, every time we go anywhere, uh, you know, like you don't pay attention and all that kind of junk happens and, and instead of just stopping and saying, you know what, I'm sorry. And she could have easily told, like not accepted my apology. She could have easily kind of like, yeah, you're a jerk kind of stuff. But she, but she accepted my apology, and, and I'm going to just say this to you, is that, that being willing to, to work on those relating skills to say, you know what, my intimacy relationally, it's, it's, it's got to be there. And so I got I to gotta forgive, and I've got to also initiate the, the I'm sorry. Your, your chances are you guys are complete opposites, and, and you think differently. You do things differently, and you're going to fight. But you've also got to back up and say, you know what, we're going to have fights, we're going to have arguments, but we are going to work at resolving these things. And it takes a lot of, again, we got to check our hearts if we're not willing to apologize or to forgive. I love what John Gottman, and John Gottman is, is a famous researcher on marriage, he's, he's been studying marriage for, for a lot, a lot of years. And in fact, he can actually predict, predict divorce by 94% that he can predict that somebody's going to get a divorce. He says this, many people think the secret to restoring romance is a candlelight dinner or an exotic vacation, but the real secret is to turn towards each other in the little ways every day. It's the little things. It's, it's, the, it's paying attention. It's the little exchanges that happen. 
I love what he says. He says, turning your body towards that person when they speak to you is like money in the intimacy bank. In other words, when you're having a conversation together, that you actually turn your body towards them and you look at them, it's like money in the intimacy bank. The last area real quick is, is build your character. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a weird thing to, to have in there, but Solomon, Song of Solomon 1, two, one verse 2, listen to his wife. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. This is not a peck on the cheek. This is like a deep kiss. She's like, we're making out. It's a good thing. Why is she inviting him to do that? Why, why, why does she invite him? Verse, verse three, it says, for your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Guys, listen to me. She loves him because of his name. It's his character. Your character is, is very important to your wife. The strength of your character that you, they, they, they know they can trust you with, with as far as a man that you're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but you're quick to apologize. You're quick to do what's right. You're quick to make things right. You lead in the way your character, the godliness that, that is a part of your life. Is, is that your character is one of the sexiest things that your wife sees about you. So it's important, again, to process that through the lens of, you know what, who I am as a man and how I lead her. And, and man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be quick to say I'm sorry. I'm going to be quick to say, you know, the, the godliness inside of me recognizes that, man, I've been a selfish jerk. The godliness inside of me says, you know what, I've made things about me and I've been manipulating our relationship and, and it's destroying. And listen to me, when you are a man of God and you have that godliness about you, that character is going to be so attracting to your wife. I, I want to pray for you today and I want to ask you to stand to your feet and I want to ask you, if you're standing next to your spouse, if you want to hold their hand and, or put your arm around them, and I want to pray for you. I'm going to dismiss us in just a few moments, but I also want to say this to you. I know there are people here that, man, there are some deep, deep things going on in your life. Maybe it's, it's in a relationship. Maybe it's just you personally. And you're like, I would like somebody to pray for me today. Maybe you're here with your spouse and you're like, you know what? Our marriage is on the verge of, we're just not, it's, it's not what it used to be and, and we need prayer. And I, I want to encourage you after we dismiss, don't rush out of here. Take a moment to come down to the front and receive prayer. Our pastoral staff and some of our leadership is going to be down here and we would love to pray for you today. But I want to just, again, close your eyes and just right there where you're standing. And I, I want to say this to you. Because I know there are people here that are, you're single and maybe you've walked through an awful divorce or you've, you've just done some things and, and you're like, man, I'm just, 
I've messed up a lot of stuff. I, I want you to know that God can heal you. That God has the right person that he wants to put in your life. That you can experience that true intimacy in your life. Father, I pray over every, every person in this place, God. I pray for those that are single, those that are married. God, I pray that you would bring healing. Heal us today, God. God, I pray that you would awaken inside of us, God, this, this understanding that the sexual intimacy that you created, that you designed, that is a beautiful thing. God, I pray that all of us would, would begin to, to believe and know that, God, you want to restore that in our marriages, in our relationships, God. Father, I pray today, God, bring healing, bring restoration, God. I thank you for this, God. I know that you are working, God. I thank you for this. And everyone said, amen. amen. Again, thank you so much for coming today. And our prayer team is going to be down here at the front. would love to pray for you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.